I'm Sean Bowles, and I want to welcome you to Exploring the Prophetic Podcast. I have a passion for how the prophetic gifts can change the world around us. They make simple, everyday people like you and I a catalyst for life-changing experiences with the supernatural. On this podcast, I have friends from all different backgrounds who each have a powerful story to tell about how the prophetic is shaping their world. I invite you to be part of the conversation. This is Exploring the Prophetic. Oh, it's a good day here in our studio. We have Dan McCollum on the line to talk to us about just developing the prophetic in a way that I think only Dan and his community has done in our generation. Dan is uh, one of the pastors at Mission Church in Vacaville, California. He's been leading a ministry and a prophetic movement for decades. He helped to found the prophetic conference at Bethel, California with Chris Vallotton that they do school prophets every year. I go there pretty much every year and I, I feel like I'm impacted by them just as much or more as they're impacted by my ministry, just because they've built something where they have teams of people who are involved in developing their prophetic process and they're doing it in an excellent way. And they have a lot of history in this now. And Dan himself has written so many manuals and books for children, for adults on the prophetic, on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, on the supernatural. I know you're going to enjoy hearing from him, but one of my favorite things about Dan is his humility and normalness. So you're going to hear that right away from him in the sense that he's an expert at everything he's doing, but he comes across as just somebody who can activate or on-ramp anybody into the prophetic. So let's get to the interview. Oh, I love the podcast today because I have my friend Dan McCollum from the Mission Church up in Vacaville. And I it was funny as I went to the Mission Church when I was a teenager to some of the conferences, you guys were hosting prophetic conferences and supernatural conferences all the way back in the 80s that I would attend because I lived in Sacramento, California. And uh, we're not that much uh, age difference. So I'm sure, you know, were you there back then? Yeah, I was back there. We never met each other. It was so sad that all of these years, it took us until three years ago to meet. But Dan has one of the most prolific prophetic ministries, I believe, in the world. And one of the things that marks it is his ability to develop team and courses and training around activating the average person into hearing God in powerful ways. And so we'll tell you how to get a hold of his materials later. But today we want to talk about tracking prophetic words and this is a really big theme between both you and I. It's one of my bones I, I I like to go after in the prophetic movement because so much of what has where we've lost our credibility is because we don't develop a system of even understanding how accurate we are in ourselves and then taking responsibility when we're not. And so we destroy credibility all the time in the greater prophetic movement because we're not even caring. But what I found is it's not about like looking for where I'm wrong, but I actually get to celebrate where I'm right. Like I've had, you know, about 57 weather phenomenon type natural disasters. I've predicted, but helped local groups, local governments, local churches actually avoid the worst of the disaster because of words of God. So it wasn't a judgment based word or God's bringing a hurricane, but Hey, there's a hurricane coming. This is what you can do. This is what you need to think about. And you need to become a storehouse for the world around you and those kinds of things. And I predicted like that many, and I've only tried to prophesy about 67. So 57 out of 67 is pretty good. And, but I've been tracking and taking responsibility when it didn't happen, but also I get to live in the responsibility or the goodness of the celebration of God's using me this way and I'm tracking it. So I can, I even have a different feeling when I share something now where I have more authority and even though it's not that many times, I have more authority to share and more urgency when I share it to help people through something. And I know we're not going to be talking just limited to that kind of tracking, but tell us about how you guys do it in Vacaville. And by the way, again, welcome to the show. 
Thanks so much, Sean. It's so great to be with you. And we appreciate so much what you're doing and what you're building in the prophetic. Um, you know, when it comes to prophetic tracking, uh, one of the fascinating things, I went back to find out where the prophetic disappeared in culture. Where did it cease to become normal? Wow. And uh, there was a group in in the uh, second century, uh, and the thing that they did is they refused to allow their words to be judged. They refused to allow their words to be tracked, and it actually was kind of the beginning of the end for the prophetic uh, for several hundred years after that where prof- prophetic became rare. Wow. And so this is really, really important to us. You know, um, a few years back, uh, uh, Graham Cook, who is a prophet and author, uh, asked me a question. He was a he was a senior prophet in our house for about 10 years. Oh, I love and him he said, so much. He said, Dano, are we a prophetic company or do we just love prophecy? And, wow. um, you know, I'm like, I don't know. What's the difference? And he said, well, that would be a good, you know, three-year exploration with the Lord, you know. <laughs> Typical kind of Gandalf answer for Graham, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, so, you know, I was like, would you just tell me, you know. But I went into this time with the Lord, you know. Lord, what is a prophetic company? You know, what is the difference from people that are just prophesying and a true prophetic company. And and he gave me kind of three pillars. One was that uh, a prophetic company was a place where everybody could prophesy, not just the prophets, but there was room for every son and daughter to flow in the gift of prophecy. The second was that it was a place that embraced prophetic diversity, um, both in how we receive prophetic information and then how we steward that prophetic information into the spheres of influence, geographic, demographic, sociographic within society. The third was this, and that really brings us to that tracking point. He said, a prophetic company is a place that judges and processes their prophetic words. They're not just passing them out. You know, they're not just throwing them out like, you know, flower girl at a wedding, uh, just passing out words wherever they go. But they're really taking responsibility for their words. They're judging them and they're processing them and strategizing uh, with the word of the Lord. And that has been a real key um, to how our prophetic community began to form. Well, and I'm sure it gives you guys just a, a unique ability to relate to each other with even more authority because some people might be dreamers or seers and they're, and you could take their dreams to the banks while other people, they might, you know, have dreams, but they haven't learned how to really steward them yet. And so you can't really, uh, trust or, or understand them yet. They have to learn how to understand their own dreams and develop their process. And I know for me, like I've, my best friend's a dreamer. I hate, I hate listening to dreams. It's one of my worst things about me. It's, I just have no patience. (laughs) And he has like dreams that take 10 minutes to tell, but they're significant to us. They've been leading dreams for years, decades to my life. And I feel like, you know, I've had to learn how to steward his dreams with him, but I mean, I love it. But then we have other people who are just trying so hard, but they've never really built that track record. They've never really, they don't know the difference of when it's a really profound dream, when it's not a profound dream, because there's no measure in a community of that for them. And so it's, it just comes across as maybe a powerful personality with an empowering sounding dream, but it's not necessarily that helpful. And what I love about your community is even coming in there and you guys train prophetic teams all over the world is that it feels like you guys have like a really down to earth grip on each other and on each other's lives and a a real trust because you've chosen to do this. And you've written about this now. Tell me about what you've written. 
Yeah, I have a new book out, a manual. It's actually something I've been trying to write for 10 years, and I'm so glad this baby has finally been birthed. (laughs) I'm sure. But it's called The Good Fight, and it's based on 1 Timothy 1.18, where uh, obviously Paul is speaking to his spiritual son, and he's saying, you know, Timothy, my son, I urge you, according to the prophetic words that have been spoken over you, to fight the good fight of faith. And, you know, um, growing up, in my generation, we were always taught that prophecy was just for confirmation. And so, just kind of mm. put the word on the back shelf and wait to see if it comes true. And so, from that, you know, we all had a, a back shelf of really dusty words. You know, yeah. I, had, I had 50, 60 prophetic words over my life that I'd never done anything with wow. other than just kind of go, wow, you know. And, um, and so, now we wanted to say, okay, if we're supposed to fight the good fight with the prophetic words. That word in the Greek language is strategio, which means to formulate a strategy or enlist in a military campaign. And it's like instead of our prophetic words being on the back shelf, they're actually supposed to be something out in front of us that we are activating and accelerating. And so to do that, we had to create a prophetic community where people's power to judge the word was just as strong as people's power to deliver the word, and that there was as much responsibility on hearing God on the receiver end as there was on the giver end. And I think that's really more compatible with Scripture. There really aren't many Scriptures that tell us how to prophesy, but there are many, many Scriptures that talk about testing words, judging words, testing the Spirit, weighing carefully, all these kind of things. And we begin to then uh, formulate a, a, a manual and a structure where our culture felt just as powerful in receiving and judging and strategizing with the words as the person who was giving the word. This is incredible. You know, it's funny because I was in another prophetic camp that you're familiar with, with uh, Kansas City, with the Kansas City prophetic crew, Mike Bickle and Paul Kane and John Paul Jackson, those guys. And when I came, most of those guys were gone at that point, and we rebooted the prophetic community. There was like 400 people on the team. It was a 6,000-member church, and I was one of the primary people who was helping to lead the team. And I remember Mike Bickle, uh, after a meeting where I had prophesied, said, you know, you give a lot of dates and times for the future and that, and, and those words, and I love them. I've been impacted by your dates and your times, our church has, but how do you know you're right? And I was just, I was 26. I mean, I didn't know if I was right or not, you know? And I said, I don't know. Like, I just feel like I'm just going with my gut. And he goes, we've done, we've, we've created an irresponsibility where we haven't actually tracked and we haven't actually gone back and stewarded our gift. And we, and we're actually causing people to despise the prophetic who, when we're not right. And that's our responsibility as a church and as a movement. So I want you to track everything for the next five years. And I remember just being 26 going five years. That's like forever. That's (laughs) homework. You know, now I just try and track stuff all the time, but Back then, it felt like a big homework assignment. But man, I learned so much about myself as I went back. And I mean, email was pretty new then. So I'd try and get people's emails or phone numbers and say, hey, I gave you that word. Can I call you later? Like if I gave you a word about May 16th, can I call you May 20th and see if anything happened or whatever? And I remember just going through that period of time. And it was really a humbling thing to call someone and be like, hey, I gave you a word. How did it go? And they'd be like, oh, it was great. Or, oh, you know what? It didn't really work out. I don't know if the timing's off. I feel really hard in my relationship with God right now. It's been a, you know, a hard place. And, and I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, I'm really responsible. And I was giving, I mean, thousands of words a year. And I went from giving thousands of words a year, like probably not well to giving 
trying to give hundreds of words or less a year and doing it really well and tracking it well. And I'm still that way. Like I, I'm, it's not about quantity to me at all. I'm like, I want to, I want to be focused on quality and connecting to people's hearts and lives. I don't pastor my words, but at the same time I do go back. But I think it's created a unique opportunity for me to grow because I get insight into people who may, you know, have condemnation and they feel like there's something that they did and the word didn't happen or, or it created something in their community. Like we're all prophesy over someone in the community of church and it doesn't happen the way that we all thought it was going to happen or it doesn't happen at all because I prophesied wrong. And if I don't take responsibility, that whole church gets shut down towards the prophetic or towards me or towards our movement or towards whatever. And, but at the moment you take responsibility, it creates grace and healing and connection, relationship, authority. And so I love that, that I know that's not the only point of this, this, this podcast and even your book, but I love that when there's that community sense of that you can develop trackability, you can develop stewardship over your ministry that you're responsible for the healing it brings to the community around you. I so agree with that. And, you know, one of the things we do in our prophetic training is we will have our students uh, make a 30 day prediction every single month and then they'll, they'll sign their name to it and they'll make it in a different sphere of influence every month. So predict what's going to happen in family in the next 30 days in someone's family and then come back and be accountable for it. You know, predict what's going to happen to President Trump in the next 30 days. Who's he going to meet? You know, what's going to happen? Something in his family, something in his office, something, an international incident. And we'll make these kind of predictions just to practice those kind of things and then to come back and be accountable for that information. And, you know, if you, like you did, when you practiced that over five years, you developed a responsibility, you developed a credibility, you developed your own sensitivity, you know, it even helps you, it even helps you know, you know, uh, there are different perceptions for how far out a word is. And if you track them and put dates by them, then you can start time stamping your words because you're more familiar with how a perception is uh, related to time, but you'll never get that if you don't track your own words and, and see how you're doing. So what are some of the kinds of words that you give that you seem to have the most authority in? And what are, what are some of the genres of people that you feel most called to minister to? Well, you know, for me, it has been uh, musicians and worshipers. That is my background, uh, people in the arts, those kind of things. Um, as a matter of fact, in the Good Fight book, one of the things that we help people find is their sphere of influence. The scripture talks about how there's a measure of your gift, there's a measure of faith, and then there's a measure of rule. And that measure of rule is your sphere of influence where your gift works stronger than anywhere else. And for me, that has kind of been in the area of arts and entertainment. I oversee a missions organization that works in 59 language groups around the world. And we help. We help people find what the Lord is speaking over a city, a region, or a nation, and then convert that into a song so that the first heaven and the third heaven are kind of singing the same thing and causes a massive displacement. We did this in India with a church in Bangalore that was running about 3,000. And when they started singing songs that they felt like heaven was saying over their city, and they sang it in their own sound, in their own language— they went from 3,000 to 7,000 in 90 days. <laughs> and the awesome. only thing they changed was their worship. And, you know, we just feel like 
the new song releases the new thing that God wants to do. And and so we all have spheres of influence. That's one of mine is that area of uh, arts and music. And, um, and then also, you know, the mountain of religion is another sphere of influence where uh, I find a greater authority and a greater clarity. But um, – but as we work with our teams, we're finding, you know, that people have a call to family and to business and to media and all these different areas and that their gift comes alive in that area. And that's one of the things we tried to identify in the manual is, hey, you can use the prophetic words that you've received to figure out what your primary spheres of influence are and then start targeting your gift at that particular sphere. And you'll have a grace there that'll make you look even more awesome give you more authority, more favor, more influence. And of course, the ultimate goal is to just build the kingdom of God in that area. Yeah, I, I so appreciate that because I think a lot of the people I've even talked to on Exploring the Prophetic Podcast, I remember talking to Cindy Jacobs and she said, I am a prophet to nations. And when I talk to anybody in politics, I come alive in a different way I don't with anybody else. And she's like, I will even ask for meetings for politicians where I might take a meeting with a pastor that actually takes energy from me. When I meet with a politician, I come alive and it gives me energy. It gives me, it gives me uh, uh, just a sense of completion in who I am. And I remember listening to her saying that. And I've always known my my mountaintops too. My spheres are like the entertainment industry and then also the church. And so it gives me energy to like prophesy to people in the entertainment industry and it go going to, you know, I go to a lot of events and a lot of, whether it's movie premieres or red carpet events or whatever. And I get to spend time with people that like when I'm with them, I'm like, you're, you're the people that I feel God's love for the most. I mean, he has love for everybody, but my portion of what I get a steward is for this people group. And it causes me to take it more seriously and also to have more fun with it, which is amazing. And I've met people all over the world who are connected to you through what you do with musicians. And they, there's like a before and after moment when they've met you where, where there was life before Dan and then life after Dan, because you defined something for their heart that allowed them to go, gave them permission to go on a journey. And even the story in India, like you guys have had, I mean, over a million conversions because of what God's done there. Yeah. And that's crazy. Like you get into your lane and you, and you see a different level of fruit. And that's, that's why the scripture says, you know, run the race marked out for you. And totally. we all have our own race. And I think, you know, prophetic is just like any other area. It's something we can imitate because we so admire how it's working in somebody else's life. But the the one of the most fulfilling things is to find your own track, to find your own sphere of influence, and then to begin to give yourself to that. And, um, and that's a real passion of ours is to see people find that sphere. You know, Chris Valentin said it really well. He said, your gift will work everywhere on everyone, but it works best somewhere on someone. And when you find that sphere of influence, you have the most sustainable grace and you have the most effective grace. And that's really what we're all longing for is, you know, that fruitfulness and that sustainability. And I believe that comes through the discovery of your sphere of influence. Oh, you're the best. I love hearing, as a matter of fact, why we were talking, I ordered your, your manual. <laughs> I got an Amazon. I'm like, I totally listened, but I multitasked. I was like, I got to get this manual. I have all of your stuff, but this is going to be really fun. And I, for some reason I don't have this. And so oh, I can't wait to new, read it. Myself. Yeah. I was a brand brand new. Okay, good. Well, that's yeah. why I don't have it. I can't wait to go through it. I just think it's so important. I'm going to put the Bulls ministries team, uh, prophetic team through it as well. I just think, um, for those of you who are listening, Dan has materials, and he has a way of thinking that will impact you, especially going after the prophetic. 
And you're going to, you're going to have before and after moments, just like many of us have because of Dan's life. And so I so appreciate you. Thanks for being on the podcast today. How do we get a hold of you? Uh, thanks so much, Sean. Uh, the books that we were just talking about is the Good Fight Manual, and you can get it just at Amazon.com. That makes it super just like easy. I just did. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then a lot of the audio teachings you can get either from the uh, Bethel Church uh, website or Mission Vacaville website. Awesome. Well, we'll have those links again when you see this podcast. And thank you so much for being on the show. Please come back on again. We're going to ask you to come back on because there's so many subjects that I think your unique perspective on is needed. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Sean. Bless you. Bless you too. Have you ever thought about developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge? Well, I have an eight-week e-course on this called God's Secrets, and this is developing a lifestyle of words of knowledge. And I'm going to take you through teaching, activations, impartations, even quizzes to understand what words of knowledge are and how to have a biblical-based approach to applying these in your everyday life. I want to encourage you, download it now. You can do it online at your convenience over eight weeks, and it's going to change the way you think about the prophetic. Go to Bowles Ministry or www.courses.bullsministries.com. Join me next time where we explore the prophetic together. 